Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Everybody doing good? Man, one of the things, uh, just a truth that has come alive uh, just actually this morning, but it's been kind of popping in my head uh, this whole series um, is in the 930, which I'll explain a little bit more about that if you're a guest here, what we're doing and uh, what we're trying to accomplish, but is that we have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We can go to the throne, the Bible says boldly, and we can bring our petitions, our prayers, our needs, whatever is going on in our life. And I really want that to be kind of the baseline of everything we do today. Because at the end of service today, um, I know there's people that walked in this place that are hurting. I know there's people that walked in this place that are confused, that are struggling, marriages, cancers, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that I love about the 930 is we put a focus on the most important thing, and that's communicating with the Father. That's, that's praying. And so at the end of today's service, what we want to do is we want to, we want to provide an opportunity in the front here uh, for, for if you have prayer stuff. Uh, first service, I asked somebody to pray for me. I'm, I'm having a hard time with a couple things, and it's just one of those deals where even, even pastors need prayer. Amen? So can I, can I share a real quick story before? I'm going to get into the message eventually. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I got a friend of mine. His name is Matthew. He comes to church. We're actually getting ready to go to Israel together. And, and this has to do with praying. And uh, he said to me that a year, a year or so ago, God spoke to him specifically about praying for me, which I would love. Like if God sp- speaks specifically to you to pray for me, I would love for you to be faithful in that and pray for me. And there's a lot of that chair, the chair I sit in, it's a big chair. It's, a, it's way bigger than I am. And I, I don't understand uh, sometimes the things that goes on. But so we went out to lunch a couple of weeks ago and he's probably listening right now and he's probably chuckling, but he said, Hey, by the way, I just want you to know that God told me a year ago to pray for you. And the year was up yesterday. (laughs) And this is what I said. Y'all have apps on your phone. What do your apps do? Automatic update. That's an automatic update. So if God's told you to pray, to do something for a year, there's probably an automatic update right there. You just need to keep on praying. Amen? That's what the 930 is about. Okay, so the 930, uh, for 20 years, we're celebrating 20 years in two weeks, right? It's going to be a big, big, big time here. But for 20 years, we have prayed and fasted together as a church. And we've called it the 930 from the very beginning. It's evolved into something that's really interesting. This year, we galvanized this whole thing, 930, by putting these two things out, that we're all going to pray as a church family for three things. We're praying for the favor of the Lord. We're praying for the direction of the Lord. We're praying for the protection of the Lord while we're doing his stuff. And then what we said is take another card and you write down your big three. Big three. It may be for your family to come to know Christ. It may be your kids to know him. Maybe your, your spouse to know him. And we've also asked people to pray and put their prayers over there on the windows. And we see every week people are doing that. Again, between services today, I watched 20 or so people do that. We We are praying over all of those Monday through Thursday, but specifically Thursday morning at nine o'clock, we'd love for you to come. We pray. We we, we have a time of worship. We we, we read a scripture. We talk about the scripture a little bit, and then we pray over all those things. We've already seen God move in some of those prayers. Some of those prayers have already been answered. Circles around them. I read three of them this morning that I know that were already answered. One person uh, that was in first service actually reminded me today, their 930 prayers, they were having a hard time getting pregnant, their 930 prayer was that they would get pregnant. 
they're getting ready to deliver the baby tomorrow. It's an amazing thing how God works. So along with that, we're doing this, this thing called a prayer guide, and you can walk through it. I'm using it as a devotion. It sits in my Bible. It sits with my iPad, and I'm actually praying all those prayers. And now I've gotten to the point where I'm praying all those prayers every day. It's one of those. I'm praying the prayer of Jabez. I'm praying the Lord's Prayer. And so I would encourage you to do that. So the 930, that's what it is. And we've been talking about for the first two weeks, we talked about prayer in week one, right? What is prayer? How do we do it? The schematic of the Lord's prayer. And then last week, we talked specifically about this thing called fasting. And I didn't know, I just assumed because I've, I've kind of done it all my life that, that everybody fasted, but apparently not. And I got so many emails and text messages last year, uh, last week going, this is the first time I've ever fasted. Oh my goodness. What, what are, it's revolutionizing things. So let's keep doing that. If you missed last week, you can go back to the media on journeycommunity.net and you can watch that. This week, we're going to talk about something else. And I think it's going to be equally is enlightening. Uh, I bet you there's going to be a lot of notes being taken, but it all goes back to a moment that happened July, first weekend of July. Um, and I was at Hilton Head. I was on vacation. And I got on vacation. I do vacation things just like you do. I like to go out for dinner, right? Like you'd like to try new places or like I like to have good food and all that kind of stuff. And I like hanging out on the beach and we had the speaker going and we had the great tunes going and, you know, we people watch, anybody people watch at the beach. Hilton Heads is a good place. It's not the best place. Walmart's the best place, but, <laughs> but, but Hilton is pretty good, especially if you're around Caligny area where the public beach is, you get to see all types of people, right? So I was people watching. I wear sunglasses so they can't see them watching them because I don't want to be like a creeper or anything. But, and so I was people watching and we'd go back to the room at night. We'd have good meal. We'd go out to dinner, whatever. But after three or four days, I got home. And when I got home, if I can be honest with you, I had figured that this, this vacation was going to recharge my batteries. And I figured that everything was going to be great. And when I got back, it wasn't anything like that. As a matter of fact, you've probably heard people say this, you needed a vacation from your vacation. And, and so I, I walk back here and I'm, I'm kind of confused because I feel like I'm just as disconnected from the Heavenly Father as I was before I left. Anybody else ever felt like that before? Like you just feel disconnected? And I felt like I was disenfranchised from the church. I don't know why. I just felt that, you know, like I felt like when I would walk up on stage, like I didn't have a real good word sometimes. You know, I just didn't, something was not right. Um, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm sorry, if you're a guest here and this is bothering you that the pastor is telling you this, I apologize in advance, but we're just real around here. And so I came back from vacation and I was, I don't know, like I was just in a weird place. And then I, then I realized that I wasn't doing the things See, I had checked myself out. You ever do that self-awareness? You go, okay, God, is there, is there sin in me? Is there something I'm disconnected from? Like, I didn't feel like I was in rebellion or anything. But then I realized, you know what the problem was? Is I stopped doing some of the things in my life that connect me with the Father. Last, two weeks ago, we talked about prayer. And this was one of the things I said. Prayer is to like a Christian what, what breathing is to a human being. And, and that's the way we connect with the Heavenly Father, by praying, by having conversation. And I found myself, like, I'm sorry, but I found myself only praying, really, hey, God, bless this message this week. Or, or, or my study was, like, I need to prepare a message this week. And I wasn't doing it just because I wanted to be intimate with the Father. I wasn't, I wasn't doing it. I was like, did you ever just in your spiritual life just check off boxes? And, I, and so I went into this 930 going, I don't want to do that. I, because what I've seen in my life is those things, those staples, those prayer, that fasting, and what we're going to talk about today, they literally revolutionized my life. Like a lot of the success I've had in my Christian life is because of prayer and fasting. And again, what we're going to talk about today. And when there's been times of chaos, when I'm doing those things, somehow or another joy comes. 
When, when there's struggles in my life where I'm discontent, well, all of a sudden, you know what? I find, because of those things, I find contentment. My viewpoint changes. My, 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 the, the way I see that circumstance or I see that, that situation, it changes. And, and so the thought was, well, why did I stop doing those things? Why, 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 if I know it's so good and I think what happens is we just get so busy. We get so busy, we forget. We, we, don't, we don't take the time and be intentional with what we're going to talk about today, and that is this. Quiet, solitude, being still. We live in a, in a crazy, loud world. Like, like some, some of us are addicted to noise. See, you're feeling awkward right now. Like, is he going to say something? I, I was going to come out of here. Do, do you know how long five seconds is? Long when you're not doing anything. And I was going to walk out of here and just go. But I, I was afraid that you'd start walking out and like, or throw things at me. Like, what's his problem? Because we're addicted to noise. We got to have it. Everywhere we go, we have to have it. And, 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 and the truth is this. And Henry Nuon says this. He says, without solitude, it's virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. There's no way to live a spiritual life when the craziness of the world is beating us down and, and, and in our ears all the time and the, the loudness of the world. We become addicted. We want it all the time. We think, we think about it all the time. We need it every minute. We, we get in our cars, we got to have it. We get in, you know, we hope. There's even in, in, in elevators now because we, we feel awkward if it's quiet. There's what's called white noise in an elevator. So you don't have to hear somebody else breathe. I, I, okay, so am I the only one? I'll stop this message right now if I'm the only one that, that, that's addicted to sound. Who else? Okay, three people, liars. <laughs> Most of us, are, so this morning, because uh, I need noise. I, I, I study with noise. I, I read with noise. I, I have dinner with noise, all that stuff. So this morning, I get up. I got up extremely early this morning for some stupid reason, and my brain wouldn't shut down. It was 3.30. I jump up out of bed, and I walk into my into my, my area where I, I study. It's, it's the living room, right? And I've got a, a recliner chair, and I get my recliner chair, and I put my, my, my Georgia blanket. Anybody watch that football game? yesterday? Georgia blanket over top. Did we win? So I put the Georgia blanket on, and I'm sitting there with my, my laptop, and I'm, I'm watching the Georgia game. I, 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 I taped it, and I wanted to see if the outcome was different. And so we still won, but I'm sitting there, and I'm watching it. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you know what happens? The screen goes blank. It's black, and there's no noise. It's dead quiet in my house, and now I'm creeped out. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like, I'm like, hmm. And, and here's the deal. I got voices inside my head. Anybody else have voices inside their head? Like, some of my issues have babies. But so I'm sitting, and I, and I hear the ringing in my ears. I can hear my heartbeat. And I'm like, oh, I hate this. Jeez, it, it, it was off for two seconds. And I thought I was going to die. But then it comes back on. And when it pops back on, everything in life was fine again. I need, I've realized, to have noise. And in order to function, I need it. And I don't think that's the right way to live. I don't think that's how God designed us to live. It's almost like some of us are afraid of silence. And we think that if we have enough noise, this is what I believe, if we have enough noise, maybe our fear, fears will leave us. 
If we have enough noise, maybe, maybe our hurts will leave us. If we have enough noise, maybe that, that, that situation is going off. Maybe we can just shout it away, and that's just not the way God works. I love, there's a book um, that I read a few years ago, and it's called A Taste of New Wine. It's by a guy named Keith Miller, and he describes a time when he was young, and he was sitting in his house, and lots of, the, it's happened to a lot of us, but he was sitting in his house, and his mom and dad left him at home. And he said the house was so quiet that it was eerie, and he thought that somebody was going to attack him. So instead of, you know, like just kind of not doing anything about it, he started walking around the whole house screaming and yelling. And then he took pots and pans, and he was banging pots and pans and spoons together. He said he felt like if he made enough noise, nothing would attack him. Now, imagine how, imagine how, you have, how afraid you have to be for that to happen. But this is what he said. He said, if I can only keep up the noise, nothing would creep in and get me. And he said eventually his mother came home, and he said this, I can still remember the exhaustion and the tears of relief as I collapsed into her arms and was released from my self-made prison of noise and fear. And I wonder how many of us have created a self-made prison called noise and fear. See, there's some things I've learned being a follower of Christ that sometimes it's in those moments there of silence where God speaks best to us. As a matter of fact, I think seasons of great intensity need to be followed up with times of silence and solitude. You know I'm talking about intensity, right? Sickness in the house, job change, vacation, maybe a, maybe a breakdown, maybe something happens in your life. And there's those moments, those high moments where adrenaline is, our energy is high. And all of a sudden we go from adrenaline rush to adrenaline rush to adrenaline rush to adrenaline rush, and we can't figure out why we're tired all the time. And that's what's happened with me between building stuff and church stuff and all the other things going on. As a matter of fact, if you all remember, um, a few years ago, I took a sabbatical. I took a sabbatical, I think it was two, 2020, I think is what it was. So I was supposed to take six weeks off, starting in January. And right in the midst of it, do you remember what happened? COVID happened. So I get a phone call in the fourth or fifth week. Now I'm on sabbatical. Like I'm supposed to be here. I'm not even supposed to be answering emails. But I get this from, from our ex, XP, our, our executive pastor, Alan. Hey, I really need to talk to you. And like, there, there was a couple of rules. Like, unless somebody quit or somebody died, don't get in touch with me. We did not pray that there would be no pandemic. So it was one of those, we didn't know that this was going to happen. And then, so he, gets, he calls, and so I have to come back in. But there was something that I realized. I was gone for four weeks. I came back a week, a week and a half early. But you know, it doesn't make a difference about, we can have all, we can have all the, the, all the sabbaticals and all the days off and all the vacations. If we're not living right the rest of the time, we're going to go right back to the trap that we were in before. And so there's times in our lives where we've got to slow down. There's a story in the Bible. If you've been around church, you've probably heard the story. It's about a, a prophet. His name is, is it's Elijah. And, and Elijah goes up against the prophets of Baal. It's great in chapter 18. Um, he goes up against these prophets of Baal and he has this spiritual kind of like contest with them. And, and he, and he, he, he kind of, he has a, this, this spiritual duel thing going on. And, 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 and he says, listen, why don't you just put, you know, the, the, the altar there and you put the, the, the sacrifice right there and you dig a big trench around it and you fill it up with water and you douse the whole thing with water and we'll see, we'll shout to your God. And so they're shouting out to Baal and, and Baal's not answering. And I love Elijah. He's kind of arrogant. He's kind of, a little attitude like some of us, right? He's like, is your God asleep? Like there's nothing going, is your God asleep? And then all of a sudden he calls on, you know, Jehovah and he comes down. But, but right after that, that, that whole really cool high energy thing happens. And there's the prophets of Asherah. There's also another 400 prophets he has this, this thing with. All of a sudden it's this woman named Jezebel chasing him. And Jezebel's chasing him everywhere he goes. And so he's afraid of, and this is the power of one woman, by the way that he's afraid of one woman. 
Like he just got done uh, the prophets of Baal thing. But you know what that is? That's a misconception of the environment and what's going on. And you know what? Fatigue does that to us. It distorts the view of what's real. It distorts the view of reality, doesn't it? So here, he had no problem because he was high, he was energized, he was ready to go, he's probably prayed up, he goes against the prophets of Baal. But this one woman, Jezebel, all of a sudden, it distorts his viewpoint, it distorts the, the perception of reality. And then we see this in verse 19, uh, chapter 19, verse, verse 9, it says this, but the Lord said to him, I want you to do me a favor real quick, if you have an analog Bible, open your analog Bible to 1 Kings 19, and I want you to underline three phrases in here, I'm going to come back and I'm going to fill the gaps in on this, because this is really, really good. Verse, verse 9. I'm going to start in the halfway. It says, it says, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah, and I want you to re- underline that. What are you doing here, Elijah? Then verse 10, it says, Elijah replied, I have zealously served. I want you to underline zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him to, or the Lord told him. And then Elijah stood there and the Lord passed by. A mighty wind storm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. That's really important. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. That's important. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a what? A gentle whisper. Underline that, a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went down and stood at the entrance of the cave. Just before this, he was asking God to take his life. He was saying, God, I'm, I'm tired, I'm over. Distorted view, right? The very first thing that I want us to notice in this, what are you doing here? What was a man of God that just had all this miraculous stuff happen in this place right here? It's because he was so accustomed and the noise and, and, and the adrenaline was, 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 was eating him up. And now he is now laying there wasted. He has nothing left in him. And that's how a lot of us feel. We feel that like we go on vacation and we come back from vacation and we're not rested. It's because we're wasted. And God is saying to a lot of us in this room, watching online over in the HM, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this moment right here? This is not who I called you. Do you remember the miracles I did? Do you remember what happened back here? What are you doing here? And then this second part, and, and, and I didn't realize this until this morning, and I was sitting there, you know, watching the game, and I was, you know, the, the TV had come back on, but zealously serving, zealously serving. And you know what happens in our lives? We get so intrigued and we get so entrenched in zealously serving, we've, we, we forget that we're supposed to be seeking him too. And we're so involved in making sure that the singing stuff is going well and the drumming stuff is going and the lights are going good and everybody is getting a handshake and everybody's got a cup of coffee. The very thing that God wants the most out of us is not our serving, it's our seeking him. He wants us to seek him with everything that's in us. And then there's that, that whisper. And I think because of all the noise around us, we can't even hear his voice. Because of all the sounds that we put, all the stuff that we have to hear, all the stuff that we have to do, we miss the still small voice. This has been my prayer for this 930, that God, I would hear your still small voice. And I had to personally, this is my fast, I've had to personally take noise out of my life. So when I'm in a car, it's either silence or or a Bible, or it's a, a Christian book. It's not, it's not music anymore. It's not ESPN. It's not me getting mad at everything that's going on in the world because that's noise that I don't need to be listening to right now. And you know what I can honestly say? As frustrated as I was in the 1st of July, 
I am equally as encouraged right now, or more so encouraged right now, because of the silence that I've been putting my soul through and allowing God to speak to me and this prayer and fasting thing. It works, guys. And so in our lives, we have to make sure that we're, you know, seasons of craziness. And it can look for different like, hey, but even Jesus withdrew. Do you know that? Even Jesus took times away from everybody because of fatigue, because of, of, of this, this craziness of life. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So he, he goes away for prayer. One time he goes away because he got a major task to do. And the major task, he's got to choose the 12, the 12 disciples. So before he chooses the 12, he peels off and he prays. And he asks God to speak to him about who he's supposed to speak to. A, a, couple, a chapter later, he, he tells them to all go out. And then they come back in and, you know, thousands of people are coming to know Christ and, you know, the workload's getting heavy. So he, he peels off again. One of the greatest times that he peels off is he's getting ready to go to the cross and he peels off. He peels off just to get away. And that's where we hear the famous prayer. If this cup can pass from me, let it pass from me. He's in, he's in the garden of, of Gethsemane and he's peeling off. Even Jesus needed to peel off and get away. Even Jesus needed silence and solitude. And if he needed it, guess what? We need it too. You see, super intense times in life require times of peace and quiet. We have to have them. I can hear some of you thinking, Pastor Bobby, you just don't know. You work at a church. You can have... No. Can I tell you something? If it's important to you, you'll find a way to do it. Hey, hey, maybe, maybe peel off Facebook for five minutes. Oh, sorry. Or, or, or maybe... Maybe don't check TikTok all night long. Maybe take five of those. If it's important to you, you'll find time to do it, right? If, if it's really important, like if, if golf is important, you, you find time to play golf. If hunting's important, right, you'll find time to do that. I don't know what women do, so you'll find time to do it, though, whatever it is, right? Whatever it is. So, so why wouldn't the most important relationship we have on this side of eternity be worth putting this down and having some silence and solitude. The second thing is this. If your life is chaotic, just mass, how many people's life is chaotic? Most of us, right? Maybe it's time to intentional, be intentional in creating alone time. Maybe it's time just to create those moments. If you're married, like how many people in the room are married? Even if you're not married, it doesn't make a difference. But you, I, I, I'm in a great stage of life. I don't have any kids at the house. It's a great stage of life. I promise you, best time of our life, best life ever right now. Now, I love my kids, but I want them to go home at night. But you know, do you, so some of you are in this, some of you remember this, first thing you do when you get up, right? You got to get the kids out of bed, and that is a chore, right? You're fighting them, they don't want to get up, and then you have to get your spouse out of bed. And they're fighting you and they don't get up, right? And then you make them breakfast and, and then, then all of a sudden you go to work, right? And then you have all these people, we call them coworkers. You know, we have all these coworkers that we got to make sure that they're taken care of. And then we have bosses we got to please and everybody's, you know, ramming down. And then, and then on top of that, then when you get off of work, I don't know how you, like three, three kids going three, like baseball over here and softball over here and you have cheer over here. I don't know how you do it. I really don't. Like we didn't have all those options. And a matter of fact, I, we thank, I was thankful we grew up in a county that did not do anything on Wednesday nights. So we only had Tuesdays and Thursday nights. It was all at the same place. It's not that way anymore, but it's one of those. And then what happens when you walk in the house, you've got to make dinner at nine o'clock 
o'clock, right? You're shaking your head. You know this. You got to make dinner at nine o'clock. And then what you do is you get to get baths and you put the kids in the bed and, and they maybe 10, 10 30, right? You, you, you jump in the bed and you get in the fetal position and you do it all over again. And you wake up the next day and it happens again. Am I speaking anybody else's life? Okay. Right. And then you get to stop doing that one of two places in your life, retirement or death. And I'm not sure which one's better. Right? So it's like we've got to create these moments in our lives. Victor Frankl, who was uh, in the, during the Holocaust, he writes a book. And in the book, he talks about even in the Holocaust, he had to find solace. He was a, a Jewish believer. And he worked at the hospital in one of the concentration camps. And so in the hospital, they had a morgue. And the morgue was nothing more than a tent beside two trees. But it overlooked this beautiful, this German horizon where there's big mountains and snow caps and all that. And he said that he would peel out and literally sit with the corpse. And he would look out at this. It was the only solace. And the only thing that would wake him up from those moments was when he heard the boots of a soldier, a German soldier coming by to rustle and maybe drop another dead person off or whatever. He said, but even in the midst of the craziness, there's solace. In the midst of your crazy, my craziness, you have to be intentional to figure out how to find some solace, even in a busy schedule. Maybe you get up a few minutes earlier than everybody else. That's an option. Maybe you go to bed a few minutes later than everybody else. Just peel off some time. Maybe you have some alone time on your drive to work. Maybe somehow, maybe you don't go out with everybody at lunchtime. Maybe you go and do lunch by yourself and you open up your, you know, your Bible or listen to whatever. Maybe you can you know, slip into an empty room at night when the kids are watching TV. That last minute. But you got to find time for yourself. How many people remember high school? The good parts of high school. Like, do you, how many people remember, like, how many people had their first date, their first boyfriend, girlfriend in high school? That's when I had my first one. I was, I was a late bloomer. But I remember my freshman year, not that late. I remember my freshman year, remember your first boyfriend or girlfriend? And the bell would ring, and what would you do? You'd run to the locker so you can see your boyfriend or girlfriend. You'd run as fast, even if it was only two or three, it was the best two or three minutes of your life, and it made geometry worth going to, right? Right? That's what God wants to do with us. He wants us to have, even if it's only two or three or five minutes or whatever it is, he, he wants to energize. He wants us to have that relationship with him. And the only way we can do it is if we're intentional in doing that. I love what Psalms 131 said, and there's a great word picture David, David paints. It says, instead, I have calmed and quieted myself. That's something that every one of us has to learn how to do. We have to learn to calm and quiet ourselves. Like weaned child who no longer cries out for his mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. I love the way Psalms 46 says it. He's talking about God. He says, be still and know that I am God, and I will be honored in every nation. I will be honored throughout the entire world. When we get alone, here's what we have to do. I'm going to give it. It's really easy. When we get alone, this is what we got to do. We got to stop, wait, and be still. Stop, wait, and be still. Stop everything we're doing. We got to wait. We got to be still. If you have five minutes, man, make the most of those five minutes. If you have 30 minutes, make the most of those 30 minutes. This, this, the, same, the same schematic applies regardless of what the time frame is. Let me give you a third thing. Determine it's time to develop a mentality that's quiet as possible. Um, Gina constantly, um, especially yesterday, do you need it that loud in there? She doesn't yell it at me. I can, I'm talking big because she's not here. She, she'll be in next service. and I'll have to, She's over probably watching in, in children's ministry. So love you, babe. Um, do you have, this is how she's, because she's an angel. Do you have to have it that loud in there when you're watching football? And I say in my greatest 
in Jesus' name voice if you weren't so loud in there. Do you really think I said that? You are out of your mind. I'm standing up here, you know, still, right? I got all my tifuses. But have you ever been over somebody else's house and it's just loud? It's just loud. Like everything's loud. The dog was loud. The kids were loud. The TV was loud. The telephone was loud. The music they were listening to was loud. The neighbors were loud next door. That's how loud it was. And you get in your car. This is what I do all the time. Some of you right now are going through your names of your people that your friends, like, oh, we're in there. And you get in your car and you just shake. Because <laughs> the noise was so loud. Here, here's what I've learned. You set the volume for your house. It can be on 10 or it can be on two. You decide. Listen, if your house is loud, turn the volume down. If, 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 if you, if I'm a loud person, you know what I have to do when I get home? I talk like this, like, Hey, April, how you doing today? You have a good day, right? It's not cause I'm trying to like, I just, I'm loud. I'm loud by, by, by design, by what I do. If you're a teacher, you're loud. If you're a coach, you're loud. If you're, and so turn it down. Hey, listen, if the dog is too loud, throw the dog out. <laughs> not I me, mean, not permanently or anything. Like, I don't want to see you in the jail report, but. Or listen, or if your kids are too loud, throw them out. Can I, I, I'm running out of time, but this is a really good story. My, my, my kids were small. Like I, have three, I had three, three girls. They were two years apart. And so they got to a certain point where the old one was the boss over everything, right? Because she was like the queen. And she would like, and literally the kids would go, you're not the boss of me. Anybody have kids like that? And they would just pick her and pick her. My wife threw them out of the house. Threw them out the back door. Locked the sliding glass door. Now, I'm going to say this. We have a fenced-in back. We had a fenced-in backyard, and we had a porch that had a, a fence in that. So it's not like we, they were gonna, like we weren't feeding into the wild lions out back or anything, but it was one of those, and she said it was the best 30 minutes of her life. <laughs> now, maybe it's not that extreme, but figure out a way to create you intentionally. Turn the volume down in your house. It's your choice how loud that volume is. See, there's certain jobs I can do at 11, 11, volume 10, like I can cut the grass like crazy when it's loud. Like I, I, I'm like, I look like Dale Earnhardt Jr. in my yard in my zero shot. I'm like, I'm doing this and just sliding aside with him. I look like, you know, one of those race car movies, like all that kind of stuff. But you know what I can't do at 11? Have a conversation with the Heavenly Father. It's just impossible. There's too much noise. And this leads me to the last thing. Make it a common practice to create silence. See, quiet refers to what you hear. Silence refers to what you say. And that means in a world that everybody wants everybody else to know their opinion, maybe we have to be quiet. Maybe not everybody needs to know our opinion. And you know what happens in our lives? Our prayer lives turns into just a, let's check the boxes off and tell God everything we want. And then if it doesn't work out between now and tomorrow, we'll, we'll have another prayer time. And I think the best prayers, the best way it happens, honestly, is when we go in and we're just quiet. I love what Bernard Barak said. He said, most of the successful people, spiritual, business, whatever I've known, are the ones who do more listening than talking. Well, that makes sense to me. Psalm says it like this. Psalm 62, verse one, my soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. I wait for God in silence. 
When we get in God's presence, there's three things, and then we're going to pray. The first thing is we need to learn to be still. Just be still. The second thing is we need to stop talking. Maybe the prayers for this week, you don't say anything. Maybe, maybe it's just listening, because that's the third thing. When we get in God's presence and we're in that still moment, start to listen. I'm going to tell you, the Bible says this. If you seek him with your whole heart, you'll find him. You'll hear him. The problem is I don't think we're seeking him with our whole heart. We're seeking him with our mind without our ears being opened. We're seeking him to get something from this, like it's some kind of spiritual you know, credit card. When's the last time you just listened to him? Now we can begin to listen. We can begin to hear him. When we do those things, I believe the power of God dives into our lives. I believe that's the moment right there where God starts to speak with his still small voice. And we stop. And one of the things that I've realized and I mentioned to our staff this this past week is we've done a really great job of creating and teaching about prayer. We've done a good job. I, I, I've, I've loved the teaching, the direction we're going. Because of time constraints, we've just have, we just haven't prayed. Yeah, 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 I know. You went out there and you put your, your thing on the window and you pray, but you know, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, he's right there in the midst. The Bible says this, if there's needs in the church, call on the elders of the church, call on the leaders of the church and pray over them. And what I'd like to do just for the next couple of minutes, you're still gonna get out of here in plenty of time. You're gonna beat all the other Baptists to Monterey's and all that kind of stuff. But I just wanna pray. I want you to do me a favor. We're gonna stand up together as a church. I want you to right where you're at, stand up. We're gonna be led in another song, but during this song, I don't know what you came with. I know what I came with. I know the needs that I have, the healing that I have to have in my life, what I need him to do in my spiritual life. I know all those things. You know them, you know them for you. There's something that happens though when we pray for each other. I, I, it just, it, I know it doesn't make sense, but when we lay hands on each other, when we hug each other, it's almost like there's exponential faith there. Like all of a sudden I realize that I'm doing it with somebody else. I'm not doing it by myself. And maybe that in and of itself keeps us going. And if you're here today, maybe you're over in the atrium, maybe you're in this room, maybe you're online. If you're online, man, there's chat hosts there. Just, just reach out to one of the chat hosts or, or send a prayer request in. We wanna pray for you. But in this moment, what I would love to see happen we saw it in the first service that as we shut our eyes and we start singing this song, people just started coming up and it was everything from somebody having a baby tomorrow to they lost their job to they were told they had cancer. There's, there's no small stuff here, by the way. You know that, right? If, if it's on your mind, if it's in your heart, it's important to you, it's important to God and it should be important to us and we should wanna pray for each other. The Bible says this, the prayers of righteous men and women bring down great power. And in this room, I believe we have a praying church. It's not by chance that we do this once a year. It's intentional. And so what we're gonna have is some of our elders are gonna come up front. Some of our staff are gonna come up front. But by all means, if you feel led to pray, if you're called to pray, if you believe prayer works, I, we want you to come up and we want you to pray for some of the folks that are down here too. All right, so is it clear? We're gonna sing a song and then we're gonna to respond to God. We good on that? 
There's no embarrassments. There's no, I know it takes a lot sometimes to step out of an aisle and all that, but I'm gonna tell you, God will honor that. God will honor that movement right there. Amen? Let's turn the house lights down just a little bit for a second. Heavenly Father, it's in this moment that we sense your presence. We know who you are. We know what you can do. We've read story after story about how you do stuff. And we need you to do it in our lives. We need you to provide a way where maybe there seems to be no way. So it's in this moment, God, we ask you to do your stuff. Be God in our lives and move in our faith community here. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.